Hey everybody, welcome to the Bump the Cutter podcast. I'm Joseph Nerdone. Today I'm joined, as always, by the lovely and delightful and witty and charming Jess Reinhardt. Jess, that was a lot of... <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of things. You had as many titles as Apollo uh, Creed in the first Rocky movie. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel pretty great about it. Yeah, so what, what else is going on? How was your weekend? How was uh, How's the weather where you live? Uh, it's freaking hot, man. Oh, I'm actually up in Albany with my parents right now. Thankfully, they have a pool. Oh, well, that's good. Yes, weather also super hot here. I know people came to this podcast for weather forecast updates. Obviously. Uh, I also spent the majority of my weekend by and with inside a pool. With inside a pool? That's not a saying. Uh, so <laughs> let's just jump right into it. The big news of last week on a rather epic uh, news dump day, just one after another of things happening, Coach K... Uh, Announced that he was re- retiring after one more season at Duke. Um, arguably the greatest coach, basketball coach of any level uh, at all time. Also a villain to many outside the Duke fan base. Jess, when the news came out, what was your very first reaction? Uh, okay, first remind me, I want to make sure I have this timeline right. Brad Stevens got... I guess it's technically promoted, but he's no longer the coach of the Celtics. That happened first, right? Well, Danny Ainge, the, the, the Celtics thing was wild. The Danny Ainge leak of maybe going to the Jazz happened first. Then like 12 seconds I later. I didn't even see that. Yeah, okay. because, it, because it immediately got buried. I'm guessing that leak came from Danny Ainge. He must have saw the yeah. writing on the wall. But it's like 12 seconds later, I assume now the Celtics leaked that Brad Stevens was getting promoted and he was no longer coaching the team. So the so when I saw the K news, I was like, Brad Stevens is trying to go to Duke, and I would have been so sad and mad. But I guess that's not what's happening because Duke. We'll talk about this, but Duke's doing a fake search, even though they know who it's going to be. Yes, it was. Um, yeah. By the time all that Boston stuff was happening, I was already on the ropes, like as a person, and I work for a sports website, so obviously it was very busy. <laughs> And then before, like, I was in like in the middle of talking to somebody about like what kind of content uh, we could do about the Brad Stevens stuff, and somebody message. I got a text message. How about Coach K? And uh, I had no idea what they're talking about because I wasn't checking my Twitter. And then I checked my Twitter, and I'm like, holy shit! I never thought that. I, I know it sounds absurd because it's not like he's like a spring chicken. I just never thought he'd retire. I thought he'd die coaching. And, uh, or like something medical would happen, like maybe maybe not death, but he just like, oh wait, I, I I physically can't do this anymore. Yeah, it's just very. I mean, for the, all my life that I can remember, Coach K has been at Duke, and as much as I love to hate him, which is kind of I I mean that as a compliment. Like I love to hate him, um, and he gave me a villain in college basketball. Uh, I was kind of sad. I was like, oh, this sucks. However, like that introductory press conference, when all of a sudden, because the last 10 years, Duke did this rebrand to try to be hip to the kids. Uh, Hashtag brotherhood. Because they were trying to, you know, uh, recruit one and done players. Um, people forgot about how corny Duke was, like in the 90s, in the early 2000s. And that introductory press conference when Coach K started dancing and they were all clapping and it was a bunch of white people being very white. Cascada, baby. Yeah. I was like, this is the Duke I remember and love. And I was like, if Coach K is going to re-embrace that corniness of Duke for one more season, I'm fucking here for it. I just, I don't want the 
Coach K farewell tour. Oh no, me neither. Like, it's gonna be awful. Like, is each school gonna like give them something? I hope not. I hope some. I'm sure some schools will, right? Because they're gonna feel obligated. But like, I, I don't like farewell tours in general. Um, yeah. I get like I didn't like the Kobe Bryant farewell tour. I don't like them just in general uh, because it feels. I feel like it takes away from literally everybody else involved with the team program franchise, mm-hmm. depending. Um, and I don't think you know that's ideal. I get it though. Like I get why. Like Duke's not Duke without Coach K. Like that's literally, it's the same thing. How UConn wasn't UConn. Like it was couldn't be UConn without Jim Calhoun, Dean Smith. You know North Carolina. There's there's guys that completely transformed an entire beyond the program, like a university. I get the idea of wanting to do it, and I get why Duke fans will love it. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for listening to Dick Vitale shoehorning nine million things about Coach K and trying to use this as a spin-off of why the transfer portal's bad and Damon's likeness is bad. I'm not here for any of that shit. Um though like, you know, his very last game, well not NCAA tournament, assuming they make the postseason, is I believe against North Carolina, which is pretty cool. If they could just hold off till then and just do that then, that'd be neat. Yeah. And it would have been cool if it was also Roy, I guess. Yeah, or, or like, you know, like, if you're going to get very sentimental, like, if, do an out-of-conference. I know it's the scheduling would be bonkers, but against Army because of his connection to Army. Right. Um. Obviously, maybe, maybe you know, I'm sure, obviously, Roy will probably be in attendance that game. I don't like farewell tours, and I think they're, I don't want to call them dumb, because I'm sure it means a lot to Duke fans, but I also don't like Duke fans. Like, Duke fans, like, if you're, if you <laughs> went to Duke, 100% fine. Get it. You're supposed to rep your school. All aboard that train. Everybody else that likes Duke, they're, Duke, they're front runners. And front runners the Duke suck. Duke fans in upstate New York come around. Those are the ones we don't like. Oh, yeah. that Like the Yankees and Notre Dame in football and the Lakers in basketball. Literally. Yeah. Like Literally. every. Now maybe they're not so much Notre Dame fans. They like Alabama or Clemson. Like because they're front runners. They just jump from program to program or whatever. Um, historically speaking, I'm not going to be like, rank your top five coaches. But like for you as a fan and somebody that follows basketball very like uh, religiously, really, what would Coach K, Duke, however you want to phrase it, what did this last bunch of decades mean to you? Um, Man, for me, I mean, kind of in the same vein as what you were talking about, like he was a villain for me, for sure. Like some of my earliest memories paying attention to college basketball for and I still don't know this don't know why I I think it was because of Jordan like my dad kind of had North Carolina stuff around the house like we randomly had one you know those big uh like yearbooks yes with like all the pictures and the rosters and all that I had one random one when I was in like elementary school and then you know that those Jordan uh, Bulls teams, you know, 95, 96, I was four and five years old. Like, I was into it. Uh, so that kind of just turned into being a casual North Carolina fan. And just so just through that, I hated Duke. My dad always pointed out, like, how much of a dick K was <laughs> to refs and would just basically, like, complain all the time until he got the calls uh and so that it was just like easy for me to dislike him uh but it it was funny 
like, uh, I think it was Grayson's senior day. My dad was actually there. He went with someone for a recruiting trip and, like, has a picture with Kay, like, a big smile. But, like, it's just so funny to us because of how much we've, like, <laughs> kind of fakeated him. <laughs> like, we're not going to say we hate someone as a person, but, like, it's just, like, fun to hate someone, I guess, when you're watching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, totally. Like, I wrote about it on over the weekend by Coach K. Post, like, deserved or not, you're around long enough to win that many games that consistently. People are going to just hate you, even if you're, like, the best guy in the world. It's just that's natural. There are – it's funny what you were saying because, like, two – I don't want to say the best moments in my life because that's being hyperbolic, but two really great moments in my life are directly attributed to Coach K. Um, one is going to Madison Square Garden, I believe, for the first time to see St. John's play Duke, and it was the Bootsy Thornton game when he scored 40 points in double overtime. Um, St. John's player, for those unaware, that team was pretty decent. The Duke team was excellent, and St. John's lost, but th that's kind of how I got introduced to St. John's basketball in a more serious way. I was always a Big East guy, but I was usually more attached to UConn and uh, uh, Villanova up until then. Um, and I can't, I can't, for those who went to that game, how electric the garden was for that game because people really felt like St. John's was all the way back at this point. It was electric. It was almost, I imagine it's similar to how Knicks fans felt this season uh, all the way up until Trey Young ate their lunch. Then my next moment with Coach K, and this is the greatest professional moment in my life, is the NCAA tournament when Oregon beat them and he like snapped at Dylan Brooks after the end of the game. Mm. Uh, I wrote a piece about like, how this is a recurring habit for Coach K. Like, when he wins, he's very gracious. When he loses, he masks his jerkiness under teachable moment. Like, he swore sure. that he, like, yelled at Dylan Brooks to say he was above being happy after they won or whatever the reason was. And uh, whatever, I wrote it at the time. I was at FanRag Sports. And Bomani Jones quote tweeted and was just like, I don't know if I agree with all the points of this piece, but this is a really well-written column. And I was like, oh, shit. But Monty Jones said something nice about me, and nobody can say nothing to me for about like a whole week <laughs> because those compliments from him don't come around very often to most people. Um, so it's funny to me that um, despite my – I wouldn't say I hate Coach K. I'm more like an anti-Coach K guy, and a lot of it's not his fault. Again, I'm going to reference the piece I wrote over the weekend. Some of it wasn't his fault. Like Dick Vitale like ruining broadcast to shoehorn Duke mm -hmm. conversation in. That wasn't Coach K's doing. Coach K didn't go Dick Vitale, go talk about Duke during – Clemson, North Carolina. That's just Coach K, you know, he really liked Coach, or Dick Vitale really liked Coach K. Um, and same with a lot of national college basketball media members, just godifying him over the years and romanticizing him. Uh, I get it to a degree because, you know, coaches stay, players rotate every couple of years. So they're going to, you know, paint the coaches in a different light because they're worried about access. But at some point, they win so much. He could come off as indignant, is the way I put it. I wouldn't call him arrogant. I would call him indignant. Like, it's his way, and whatever happens, even if it's wrong, it's either he or somebody else will make an excuse for him. Like, the Dylan Brooks mm -hmm. thing, teachable moment. When Duke underperforms, it's because of some rule change that has really nothing to do with anything. When the one-and-done rule, when Calipari was embracing it a couple years before Coach K, 
it was how Coach K was doing it the right way and Calipari was taking the easy way out. And then when Coach K finally was like, I need to do the one and done stuff, then it was like, oh, he's a, he's a revolutionary. You know, like, as if, like, it wasn't already being done by another dude, like, seven years prior. Um, right. And I don't think that's really his fault. That's just the way narratives are spun. Um, but the... The th like my memories to college basketball, a lot of them are so like it's funny because it's it's I guess a testament to his success and all that stuff. Despite me not liking him, so many of them are just tied directly to him. Uh, I remember like when Anton Antoine Jameson was in college playing Duke and how important those games felt, uh, or when Juan Dixon was at Maryland and they'd square up against Duke. I, I felt like whenever a team that felt like or a program, I don't want to see be sometimes like a program felt like they're on the upswing and then they're like oh they, now you have to play duke and it always felt like the litmus test like is this program really on the upswing because if not duke will smack them down and if they are on the upswing they'll either maybe not even beat duke like it was like the what's the word i'm looking for like when you don't win the game but like people still think you you did like it a, oh uh oh crap do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you think i would write words for a living here um <laughs> But like yeah, like sometimes you didn't win the battle, but you, like it's better for the program because he looks so well and all that stuff like that. Moral uh, victory. More yeah, moral victory. Like it'd be like a moral victory. And I know that sounds absurd, but Duke was so so good for such a long time. Especially like there was like, it happened a couple of times, like three or four year spurts where they were just absolutely the best program in college basketball. And that happened like five or six different times. Um, and the only way I could compare it to is maybe Pat Summit's Tennessee team or. Uh, Geno's UConn team, like on the men's side, it's, it's yes, there was there's been more balance recently, um, a little more spread out. But for a while, it was really just yes. I don't want to like diminish the other programs that bubbled up and stuff, but like the consistently great program. It was like Duke, even like those like the, those you what you aged yourself before, so like you weren't alive. I don't think for the UNLV Duke stuff. <laughs> right. Um, I was very very young. I'm not that old, so it's not like I was, like, 30 when that happened. Um, but I do remember how, <clears throat> or I don't want to say I remember, because that's the wrong way to phrase it. When I look back on it and I read retrospects, retrospections about them or anything like that, it was, all that stuff was marketed like UNLV doing it the wrong way um, and coded words towards their players. And then Duke players doing it the right way with, you know, like, white players getting a lot of shine because they were white. Like, it was a race thing. Same thing, like, when... Uh, people, not that they played each other often, um, but like the Georgetown, if you want to do Big John, Big John Thompson, Coach K stuff. Uh, again, a lot of that wasn't Coach K's doing. It was just the way the narrative around everything was framed. They were like culturally important in the weirdest way because they were playing the bad guys. Like the, they felt entitled for the longest time. Even though like if you, there, there's like more documentaries and more things being written now about like, you know, not every player that went to Duke actually came from some of this entitled background, but it was the way it was presented. It just felt like that. It felt like, every, even though they were wearing basketball uniforms, I felt like they were wearing polos, playing <laughs> basketball. And just like, and then every time Woj would slap the floor, I just wanted to punch him in the face. Uh, it was just some of the most For, absurd, yeah. villainous stuff ever. And like, it go, it kind of goes to like, oh, smell the roses. Like, you want to smell the roses while everybody's still around. And I'm not going to write a Coach K in a, a bit here. He's not dying. He's retiring. But I do wish I appreciated how well. I don't say he played the villain because he wasn't trying to play the villain. And a lot of the media wasn't trying to portray him as the villain. But for me and a large percentage of the population, he f 
was the villain. He was Darth Vader and they were the Empire. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it just always, for somebody like me or and a lot of other people, and I don't want to speak like blanket statement everybody for why they hate Coach K or Duke or whatever the reason. But for me, like, I, so like when I saw Bootsy Thornton drop 40 on them and even did the last, I looked at St. John's and I, like at the time I had no context of either school or their how much it took to get in if you were a normal student or academic requirements. I just always assumed as a kid, Duke was where all the rich white kids went. And St. John's was like, you went there because you're passionate about whatever you're trying to do. Like the, the blue collar people went to St. John's. And that's the way I always viewed it. And it was just very weird, like how important when St. John's played Duke was to me as a child. Uh, because I felt like it was like this, like St. John's was a representation of who I was and my family was. And Duke was a representation of like all the people that like lay off my dad or something like that. It was just a, yeah. when you're a child, you have a weird way of of picturing things. And then I just never let it go. Even like when I be, I became a fully functioning adult who's pretty logical and reasonable. And well, I always like whenever I wrote on Coach K, I try to be balanced. But like I'd always have to note like, hey, I'm anti Coach K, so a lot of this stuff that's gonna follow is probably gonna steer towards a negative direction. Even though I'm trying like hell to be balanced, like. I wasn't very friendly with to him with the Dylan Brooks stuff. Uh, I did a whole this none of this stuff's even online anymore because the website shuttered. But like I did this whole thing, like a series of things about how he and Dick Vitale ruined college basketball. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have that many more thoughts on this other than Duke doing a fake, a fake coaching search with an actual coaching search firm which they remain mm-hmm. the stupidest things in the world so jess tell me why duke is making whatever decision you think they're making poor good bad <laughs> awesome yeah i i don't know i like for the longest time Woj was the man in waiting right mm-hmm. and then he left and then was asked to <laughs> leave marquette or didn't sign whatever happened he's not there anymore and now it's Shire. Who, like, the spin over the weekend was he recruited some dudes, basically. Because nobody, he was on nobody's radar at all. Right? Right. And, like, previously it was, like, Woj, or even guys like Tommy Amaker, and I'm going to, uh, Christian Dawkins, not Christian Dawkins, oh, my God, Johnny Dawkins. I almost made, that's two way different people. Um, <laughs> jo- although Johnny Dawkins, like, honestly, should go, should have gotten more consideration here. The Stanford stuff should have been rubbed off by how well he did at UCF. Um, I, my, my immediate reaction when I saw the John Shire stuff was like, well, nobody wants to be the dude that replaces the dude. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So maybe they're just and like, I didn't, go ahead. I didn't realize he was pulled up to associate head coach once Woj left. So from, I think, 2018 to present, it was associate head. His official title was associate head coach. So maybe if I knew that knew that prior, it would have been less of a shock. Like, I literally thought Brad Stevens was, like, trying <laughs> to do it before, like, 10 minutes later, the Shire news came out. Soon as I saw that he got the – Stevens got the promotion there and remembering some of the reports about Brad Stevens, like, legitimately hate hating college basketball not the sport yeah. of it but everything around it like dealing with boosters and alumni and having to pretend uh-huh. and all these um and it seems like he might be just burnt out of coaching um but yeah my thought like so as soon as i was like okay he's gonna do a year one more year right and i'm like well they're definitely gonna hire in staff like you don't do one more year 
you know what I mean? Unless like you're, right. that you're you're staying with within the house. Um, because and then, like a lot of this was, and it's just timing. It's just timing. Like all the guys that were always gonna allegedly be up for the job have had like three or four bad years. Do you know what I mean? So like at wherever mm-hmm. sp- their stops were. So like those guys just like coached their way out of jail. Like Woj probably would have been the dude had he done just well enough at Marquette. Just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, just just competent. He had to be competent. Like it felt, or, or is, that probably applies to three or four other guys and they would have figured it out between which of those guys was. And then like my best guess is, was however you want to put it, John Shire was there. He's familiar with the system. He's done pretty decent on the recruiting trail from the spin that's been happening. And if it works, people are like, wow, this is, they did a great job. Holy shit. Amazing yeah. things. And they, do, they do have the, I think it's like, and this is all, I kind of throw these rankings out the door, but just for context, like I think uh, 24-7 Sports has them as the fourth ranked recruiting class coming in. What? Who of those Shire helped bring in? Who knows? Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's one of them. I don't know. But obviously you want to keep those dudes happy. Oh yeah, uh, but like it's so, yeah. and it be, and if it fails, it could just be like, eh, you guys didn't think it was gonna work either, and then it'll be the guy following the guy that followed Coach K. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I feel like they're like, all right, this is low risk. He's already on staff. You're gonna be able to keep the majority of the staff on the roster now. You could promise the guys you're recruiting now, like not even just the guys coming in this season, the ones that they're recruiting for the following season, right. a level of consistency in the program. We're just transitioning from one guy. Obviously, the one guy happens to be like the best coach of all time to another guy. Not much is changing outside of that. Duke's still going to be Duke. That's probably their pitch process to recruits or whatever. Um, so mm-hmm. I get it. Because then if it fails, like, they'll give, like, I hope they give him some, I always hope this for every coach, right? Like they, they give enough time to actually establish themselves. Lost in Coach K lore was how bad Duke was for a couple of years until. Real bad. Yeah, very, very bad. And there probably was good arguments being made at the time of why he should have been fired. Could you like think about how different basketball history would have been if Duke was like, oh, after two seasons, oh, this is a train wreck. Let's just get rid of him. Um, so I, I always, I, I always, I, my argument for coaches in college was always one full recruiting cycle. So four years. If you, you have to give them at least four years, otherwise it's because most most programs, and I know Duke's the exception to the rule, are not recruiting one of them players, they're recruiting guys that are gonna be there four years or, you know, the transfer portal stuff. Now it's a little different, but um yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens to Duke. He's also like well however good of a recruiter John Shire is, I'm interested to see maybe he's like a very good ex as an old coach. Because you could I um going back to I used to call them the Duke Collective, Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish. Now we're learning that Cam Reddish happens not to be that as good as good as everybody thought he was going to be. But um, I remember writing pieces like they were very bad, poorly coached that year. Um, mm-hmm. The spacing was epic, like epically wrong. Um, they had a, a, a legit non-shooter playing point guard, Taco like Taco Fall guarded. Uh, what's, what's his name? Not Trey Trey Jones. Was it Trey Jones? Trey Thomas? Tyus? Tyus, Tyus, yeah. Um, He was, like, just historically awful three-point shooter. And um, it's funny because that resulted in, like, R.J. Barrett not being able to play as well because the spacing was super poor. It was one of the worst spacing teams of that happened to have great talent that I've ever seen at the college level. Like, generally, if the team's that talented, spacing's not an issue. Um, and, And some of that's because, you know, a lot of their best players were at the rim guys or whatever but like it was a 
I hate being like some dude that's sitting in his office saying Coach K did a bad job coaching, like the greatest coach ever, because that's absurd <laughs> for me to say it. But I felt like that year he did a pretty poor job. But like, regardless, my point is maybe John Shire is very good at X's and O's. So maybe he happens to be a little bit of both. Maybe he won't be the Coach K level recruiter, but he'll be, I don't want to say a better coach, because again, that's absurd, but a very good X's and O coach. Or maybe he'll be a balance of both or whatever like that. Uh, obviously, that's something we won't know until it actually happens. I guess my question for you here, though, is why are they doing this fake coaching search firm thing? Do they have to? Well, they they, like... they allegedly were doing it 10 days before the announcement or seven days before the announcement mm. that Coach K was retiring. It was already in the works. No, I'm just wondering if there's like a rule or something, like whether it's like to a... make sure they have people of color have an like a there's the availability for them to apply or interview for it, stuff like that. Like, I think you, you like, have to have a quote-unquote search, even if you already know who your person is. I don't think... It's kind of like when, like, a job puts something up on a job board saying they have a position open, but really you find out internally they know exactly who they're hiring. It's just part of the rules that they have to put it up to external candidates. Yeah, I don't. I guess my only. I don't know if that's for college basketball. I have no idea what the yeah, rules are. Yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, I just don't know why you have to do a, hire a search firm to do it. Like, right? If you yeah. know, if you know the guy internally, you already know his background. Like, you're not that search firm is not going to find something. There's probably new for some you. Duke booster within the search firm or something. Probably. I, I mean, that's probably the correct answer. Uh, because if you if there's a rule where they have to interview X uh, amount of candidates and all that other stuff. You don't need a search firm to be like, all right, who are the type of candidates that should be interviewed? Yeah, um, that's true. But your pro- your answer is probably 100% correct. This is probably why most search firms even exist is because they're alums of whatever schools and that's that's the search. Like, it's funny. I can't remember the piece or who wrote it, but somebody actually did this thing on one search firm and like of the 30 coaches they got hired over like a five-year span in multiple different sports at the college level, all 30 of them were like fired in a couple of years. But people still hire the search firm, even though like their track record was like zero for thirty. Um, it's just, it must be like an optics thing slash we have a booster there, so you know, college college sports in general does a great job of wasting money. It's almost like the government, like how the government will pay overpriced stuff to like Lockheed Martin when they could just do it in house for like one eighth of the price, but they'll they'll outsource it. Um, that's basically what it feels like. I, I, I don't have any reporting on this, so I'm just conjecturing, speculating here. But it feels like that's what college basketball does all the time with this shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so Duke, going forward, are they going to suck? Even though I just said we, we have no idea. Just wild predictions. Yeah. Just throw it out there, and then if you're right, we could, like five years from now, we could like, remember when the time Jess said. <laughs> uh, will Duke suck? I don't know if I want sure. them to suck. Let's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, when, the way I try to view sport, I like pro wrestling in my sports. I like villains. Like, that's why I got really mad when people were mad about Trey Young, like, yelling uh, in, in the next series or the next Barking Back. I like that shit. Like, I like pro wrestling in my sports. But to do that, and same with movies, right? Like, an antagonist can only be as good as the pr- protagonist. Like, they, they have mm-hmm. to play off each other. If there's nothing to go up against, if everybody's equal or if everybody's like air quote good because I don't want to say that Coach K is actually evil. He's not evil. You, like you might not like him or whatever. It's not like he's out there eating babies. That I mean, he hasn't aged in a long time. Maybe he is. Um, 
I, I, I don't know like who I'm sure another coach could bubble up and be the bad guy, but Duke is so well established as a brand that it's almost like in college basketball is a rare sport where the brand matters more than almost anything else, like more than the players. Uh, and the next closest thing are the coaches, and a lot of times the coaches and the brand are one and the same. If you say Coach K, you think Duke, you think Duke, you think Coach K. Now that he's gone, maybe the brand doesn't matter as much. Um, if they stink, that'll stink, I guess, unless somebody else emerges. Like I didn't like when UConn fell off for a couple of years, um, but All I'm right. old. I don't like change in general. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm also kind of with you. I think they're going to stink for a while. Like for, I think they'll be good for like a couple years immediately because the momentum's just going to carry over on the recruiting trail. But I think like in five years they're going to be bad. That's a cowardly mm-hmm. prediction because nobody remember five years from now. Because I'm like, oh yeah, they'll be they'll be good enough the next two years, but five years from now they'll be awful. How long did John Shire last as the head coach? Ooh, that might be the better question because expectations are probably super mixed. Yeah, I. Maybe he gets a recruiting cycle, like you said, four yeah. years. Yeah, I think that's all he gets, though. Like, unless he does well. Do you unless know what I mean? he does well. Yeah, and it's... Like, Duke kind of going hand-in-hand with, like, feeling like they wear polos even though they're wearing vests. <laughs> like, they still feel like a school that doesn't want one and duns. Like... They still feel like that three, four year white dude, Grayson Allen school. Oh, they definitely prefer it. I mean, I think a lot of schools would actually prefer it. It's more, it's actually more for sustainable. So I wonder, so, so let's think about this then. Maybe pulling in a previous conversation we had about there being more options for players that would actually be one and done. Maybe there's less of them going to college basketball more of the teams that are having success are the teams that are having three and four year players. Maybe that's good for them. Well, that's the thing. It's funny that you bring it up. I had a conversation with uh, my buddy, Jack Crosby, who works at CBS about this uh, last weekend. Um, so say like the overtime elite is a smash, just, just under the assumption. And that say that's 12 kids a year. So that's, and yeah. 12 kids, that's, tw- that's, tw- that's like, those are the 12 one and done kids anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that's it. So then you're, then like there might still be a couple that bubble up over a college basketball season that becomes one and dones, but we're talking like a couple. Um, then it becomes kind of back. I, that's why I also believe college basketball will be fine. Um, one of the college basketball's most difficult thing is markability of players because they they move so much. But if you're able to recruit a kid, um, like a traditional high level four star who's almost guaranteed to, be, guaranteed to be in your program three to four years, that there's something, one, marketable for that for the college basketball, you know, in general. But it's also better for the program in terms of if you're a fan of Duke, continuity, again, my speech impediment. Continuity. Popular. Continuity, thank you. Um, there's something to that. Like I, those St. John's teams I mentioned earlier before, Pussy Thornton, most of the guys were there for several seasons. Um, maybe that's why that team has a special spot in my heart. Um, I'm not anti one or done or anything like that, so I don't want to paint that that picture. But as a fan, uh, it is fun to watch guys come in as a freshman, stay till a junior senior, and then go. It's a lot e- lot less movement. Um, that that is a good interesting take like take by you, and that's something where I think I think most programs actually prefer that model. 
Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember what coach just said. Like, listen, not to be like he was like, I'm not anti one and done. I rather them be able to go right to, to the pros. I'd prefer if I could recruit a kid and know he's going to be here all four years. Uh, yeah. I think most schools, if they're being honest, would prefer that. And if that number of kids goes down, and then there's still only X amount of schools that really target those kids anyway. And plus, like up those random schools that'll land ran, land one randomly anyway. Um, maybe that makes it better for Duke, like you were saying. Like maybe that's the and John Shire is like this great developmental guy that we have. You know, we we won't know. Um, but yeah, it, maybe that time. Maybe part of this is a timing thing where Coach K is like, all right, they could go back to being a four-year recruiting school, overtime elites, like legitimately starting this fall. Um, I don't know if they're going to get twelve kids, but let's pretend. I mean, they already have six, uh, but and one is overseas guy. But say it ends up being ten domestic kids, and that won't be that will actually won't affect until next year's class, uh, which will be John Shire's first on his own recruiting class. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting thing to think about. It's not something I don't think that'll be talked about as often as maybe it should. Um, and I don't know necessarily how big of an impact that'll make um, in terms of like who's going to be able to recruit what and where and how and why. But all the other things that a program needs to be successful outside of a coach, like but all the resources, money, facilities, brand, you know, television exposure, Duke, or Duke is leaving Coach K with all that. So John Shire is in a position position to succeed. His biggest uh, biggest threat is expectations. What are they? What are people yeah. expecting from him after following Coach K? Maybe it'll be like the blessing in disguise deal, though. Like maybe it'll be like, all right, Coach K, fucking all time great. Let's give this guy slack. Maybe it'll be the re- inverse of what I'm expecting to happen. I'm expecting to happen is he's going to be judged unfairly and compared directly to Coach K. Um, because that's everybody's natural reaction. Well, Coach K would have done this, and Coach K would have landed this recruit. Uh, maybe it'll be the inverse. Maybe it'll be like a very long leash they'll give him because they'll be like, man, nobody's fucking Coach K. Give this guy a break. What do you think John Shire would rather happen this year? Duke being very good or Duke being very bad? <laughs> that is a great question. Um, I would assume... Um, to keep the momentum going. I mean, obviously, he wants to be good, like right? The, but like, like secretly, deep down in his heart, I know. Right. I know what you're. I know what you're actually asking. I do actually still think the answer is to do well because Coach K, if they're doing well, will probably do the. I hope he will. Uh, I don't want to speak on behalf of him. The noble thing and keep even if he's not responsible responsible for it, pretending is because of John Shire. Mm, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like to kind of pass the torch. Um, to be like, mm-hmm. no, oh, when somebody asked him in post-game press conference, oh, that out-of-bounds play, da-da. Even if it's not true, he'll be like, John Shire drew it up. Oh, somebody landed on the recruiting trail, da-da. John Shire did it. And then if they're bad, mm-hmm. Coach K will just eat it all. That's mm-hmm. on me. That's on me. That's on me. Like, I hope that's what he does. I actually assume, like, I, I'm an anti-Coach K guy, but he does generally, he protects his own. So I, I kind of imagine that will happen there. Though I know what you're getting at. Like, deep down, does John Shire hope Coach K sucks dick this season? <laughs> and then he could be like, well, now expectations are super low. I just got to get the program back to competency. Because they sucked this past year. So I'm just like, maybe that's what needs to happen. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the plan, too. Maybe Coach K is like, I'll come back for one more season. We'll stink. And then all you have to do is be like, all right, two years of this shit. I'll get us back to 18 and 12 or whatever, you know? <laughs> That's that's funny though. I do like that idea of John Shire secretly, like in his house, going trying up plays that he knows won't work, knowing Coach K will t- take the heat for him. Uh, I but I do I do think it's going to be the situation where uh, Coach K will try to 
um, talk him up as much as possible. And every success will be because of John Shire and every failure will be because of Coach K. Yeah. That's how I would approach as a human being. I mean, I do that at work now. Like for a guy I'm trying to get promoted. If something's going poorly, I'll take heat for it. And if I'm and if things are going well, I'll give credit to the person I'm trying to get promoted. That way, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do for your guys. Do you know what I mean? Um So yeah. I mean that's really all I have. John Shire, twenty twenty four. Yeah. I hope he doesn't stink. I don't know. I hope he's good. I don't know. Just this is what I why I hate Duke so much. I want to hate them, but if they suck, you can't hate a thing that sucks. And I don't want, I, yeah. I never root for anybody to lose, ever. Unless they're like a horrible human being, unless they're like Dave Bliss or Art Piles. I don't want people to lose their jobs, even if they're like not great coaches. Um, so I don't want them to be babbies. I don't want this John Shire guy to lose his job. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the, I'm very, uh, I'm a very soft person when it comes down to it. I'm a pushover. I feel you. I mean, like I said, like, I just want everyone to be good. I want everyone to be happy. Right. But when, well, we need a villain. We need yeah. somebody. We need somebody to be so good, and us to be so mad about it that we could be like, "This, this, this these people suck for these reasons." Even if those reasons aren't real. Like if I if I sat down and I did, I wrote a column about it. Uh, I know I'm mentioning it too many times, but I think I did a good job with it. Where I admit my irrational hatred for Coach K. There are valid reasons for it like i think he is indignant i don't think that's a biased thing i think that's what he is objectively but like a lot of my other things are just straight projections me being mad at him for the way college basketball media is is not coach k's fault that's college basketball media's fault uh but i but i blame coach k for it and it's something i'm obviously passionate about um john shire is not going to be able to come anywhere close to that level but if he could keep duke to that level of you know like the it's my bet the best comparison is the yankees it really is the yankees could go through a slump and but if, when they come back up, everybody that loves them will go back to loving them like in a crazy diehard fashion way, which is annoying. But that annoying is actually fun to other fans in a weird way. And then every other fan will love to hate the Yankees and love to be like they're, they're only good because of their payroll, or whatever the reason is. They'll be like Duke's only good because of their endowment, or because they land these kind of recruits, or because of whatever. Like that shit's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Being a fan is being ridiculous. It's not being reasonable. Like nobody should be. Nobody's sitting at home going, "Well, you know, Duke's actually not that bad because they did this for the community and they stood by this player during this time." And yeah, maybe Grayson Allen was a huge asshole, but Coach K still had his back, which shows like good leadership qualities. Blah 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 blah. No, you're supposed to be like Grayson Allen was a huge dick. What an asshole. Which it all turned out to be true because when he went to the NBA, he's the same exact person, and now he's an adult. There's no more excuses for him. But um. Like lot like if as a as a I'm gonna get like very benefit of the doubt for Coach K. But like as a dad, if I see my kids doing something wrong, I'm going to tend to give them a benefit of the doubt publicly, even if internally I'm handling it different. But I'll mm. never and I wonder if that's how he not to get too far in the Grayson Allen weeds here because it's an old topic. But that's pro I'm I'm assuming that's how he did the Grayson Allen thing. Like I can't bury my kid publicly. What do you out of your mind? He's my kid. Right. And then internally, he's probably like, Grayson, the fuck? Stop tripping, people. <laughs> you know? For the love of God. <laughs> yes, I can only so many times go out there and say you're not purposely tripping people. <laughs> uh, Jess, what do you got to plug before we get going? Um, be on the lookout for draft season on the Knicks wall. We've got a couple episodes already recorded. Now that the Knicks season's over, those will be unleashed to your ears shortly. Um, we're talking Nick's needs this week 
and yeah that's that's it right now not bad keep on the next wall awesome you mike uh, the other kid's name I always forget. Awesome, awesome. Nick, Con- Eli, Nick. I always uh-huh. forget. I always forget their names, uh, which is horrible because I mostly deal with you and Mike. Um, I have nothing to plug other than you know this podcast that you're listening to now, the newsletter where you're probably getting the podcast, and other than that, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye.